Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. This is our theme, Building on Christ, Impacting Lives. Uh, which I've really come to love. I really like this, this theme. I think it really fits us well. Um, you know, when you, when, you, uh, when you start talking about what the church is supposed to be doing, you really focus on the impacting lives. As a pastor, you think about what am I doing? Are we doing enough? What more can we do to impact lives in Chicago? What more Bible studies, what more, what more people should we hire to do outreach, etc.? And I hope to hire, I hope that we call another pastor for college and to serve another other churches nearby to work together to expand our reach, right? Um, and so impacting lives, you know, and, and, and we're doing it, we're impacting lives because Jesus says so. Do it. Make disciples, he says at the end of, end of Matthew. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. Share the good news. Jesus commands it is why we look to grow at St. James and never kind of be satisfied with this. As long as people out there don't know Christ, as long as you know someone that lives in a world where they don't have hope, they don't have that foundation to stand on, and their world's a mess, and their worldview's a mess, and they're chaotic, we got a gift for them. And Jesus says, go and make disciples impact people's lives with that hope. That's why we're doing it. We've been doing that for a while. Since I got here, and before that, up and down, it's been constant go, do, expand, grow. And I love that. But just that command can be kind of tiring to be honest. And sometimes when you, you think like that, you know, I really, for the last like, couple of months, I'm like, man, this is more, another campaign and more, go get them. And I got to really get up and fired up for you. <laughs> and you kind of think like, man, I like to just take a break. And, and I think there's some people out there too. We got all these volunteers more than ever. Man, maybe, maybe we can just take a break. And this last week, I realized um, I was thinking about it totally wrong. I was thinking that, uh, I mean, you can kind of tell by the way I was talking, all that I have to do to make this possible, all the work that I have to do, and I got to be on fire all the time, and I got to be calculating exactly how we're doing this ministry and that, and and I was thinking, I actually was thinking that this whole campaign or work of the church was all on my shoulders. You know what I mean? And so I hear that do, and like, yes, Lord, let's do it. But that's not enough. That's kind of tiring. And, and so this past week, I just realized, what am I doing? This is actually not on my shoulders. 
And, and you know what? It's not on your shoulders. So if you're worried about another campaign, pastor's going to have us, me do this and that. He's going to ask me to volunteer there. It's not on your shoulders. It's not up to St. James and not up to me to make this happen. That's not really how it works. That's why the most important part of this phrase is not impacting lives. It's built and building on Christ. Because he's the one that does it. And he's the one that equips us. And he's the one that's going to provide for us. And you know what? This campaign and the ministry, the mission of St. James is not on my shoulders or yours or our principles. It's on Christ's. And you're standing on his shoulders. And if we forget that, we stress out. We think we can't do it. And you know what? I think I'm talking bigger than just this ministry campaign. I bet you could say this for your own life, couldn't you? Trying to be a good person, trying to be a Christian. Oh, it's hard. It's tough. That's because we don't think about it correctly. That it's not on your shoulders. You just do your best. But you're here for the ride. You're standing on his shoulders. You're standing on Christ and his promises that he will forgive you for not being the best pastor, for not doing the best campaign, for whatever sin you have. And you will rise again. No matter how good or bad, you take care of yourself. We see this really played out well in today's gospel lesson. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 18 is instructing his disciples to think about outreach and to think about leaving the 99 for the one is one thing he says, which is really wasteful. You know what I'm saying? Not a smart business plan, by the way. Terrible investment. So he talks about that. And then he talks about that, that brother or sister who hurts you, and don't just let them go, and don't just punish them, but you need to do all that you can to reach out to them and, and heal that relationship and forgive. And so Peter is hearing all this, do, do, do. You need to reach the lost. You need to forgive others. You need to try to reconcile with people. You need to care about the weakest. And he's hearing this, and he's especially hearing the word forgiveness, forgive that person that hurt you. And so Peter says this, because he thinks it's all on him to be a good disciple. And so he looks at Jesus, and he says, Master, or Rabbi, how many times do I need to forgive someone who hurts me? It's a good question, right? Because we all do this. That's what we do with, with God all the time. We, when, when you're under the law, and that's your relationship with God, is pure law, what you end up doing is getting good at math. How much, how little. In fact, what we usually do is, what's the least? People always do that. What's the least I have to do, right? And so Peter's like, how many times? But I think he's trying to be a hero, because he says, how many times, Jesus? Seven times? And we kind of like, oh, Peter, he's so dumb. Think about this. I told the kids, we had a whole bunch of kids here in the first service, somebody, I did this with them uh, last Friday too in class, 
somebody knocks you on the head at 8 in the morning, I forgive you. Next class, same kid, boop, I forgive you. Next class, boop, I forgive you. You know what I mean? Already at 3, you're about to knock the guy out, right? Jesus, Peter's saying this, so it's, it's not a small number. Seven times someone gossips about you, steals from you, ruins your reputation, gets you fired from a job, takes your spouse. Seven times. So Peter's not, he's being generous. And then Jesus says what? Oh, no, not seven. No, no. Seven times 70. 490, by the way, as I was told by our young people here, because they're good. Our students are good at theology as well as they are at math. Right, Faith? And immediately our law-centered brains say, oh, 490? Okay. And then I don't need to forgive? <laughs> that's not what he's saying. But that's a crazy number. We're talking impossible numbers here. Forgiving, and not just different people, the same person. Now, if it was all on you, we need to forgive because God said so. That's good enough. Just like I, I need to make sure we are growing at St. James. I need to make sure that people are being served with the gospel. I need to make sure that people, yep, because I'm supposed to. God's, Jesus said it. It's law. He says it. And he tells you to forgive. Just like he says, love your neighbor, take care of those in need. But if that was it, that's hard. Because in order to, let's look at forgiveness, in order to forgive, we forget what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a commodity that you give somebody. That's very important. Your feelings forgiveness is a whole other problem that, that can take years to actually be at peace. You don't need to feel forgiving in order to forgive. It helps, but that comes and goes. Does that make sense? Forgiveness is giving someone the release of guilt, meaning you're not going to talk about it to others. You're not going to hold it over their heads. You're not going to treat them as a guilty person. It's an action. And also, very important too, forgiveness is not for you. It's for the person you're giving it to. So throw out psychologically today, and every stupid article that you read, if you Google it, it's always like, forgiveness is for you. Like, you know, it heals you inside. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't, by the way. But that's secondary. It's a gift you are giving someone. So Jesus tells them this parable, right? Because right now it's like, okay, I got to do it. But eventually, just like growing this church and doing another capital campaign, if it's all on our shoulders, it's, it's not going to work. Seven times, we can barely do that. Seven times 70. So Jesus gives this parable, and he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and whenever you're reading parables, you're reading scripture, Jesus does these parables that always says, the kingdom of heaven is like. What he says is the reign of God. This is how God works, or this is how things work in God's kingdom. That's what he's saying. And then he gives an illustration to show how it works in God's world. And so he does this, and he says, a king is about to settle up some accounts. Now, it says master, servant, king, servants, whatever. These people are not just like 
meager slaves having a terrible life. Never read slave in the New Testament and think slavery as we think about it in 19th century, 18th century America. They're workers. And this king is bringing people together because many of his people owe him something. Um, he loaned money to them. He loaned to buy this car or whatever. I don't know. But I'm sure it was a loan, and they're supposed to pay it back. And he's just kind of going through his bills. Where are we at, right? Are we on target with payments or whatever? He finds a guy that owes him. This, is, this, this number says 10,000 talents. That is, let's say, 10,000 bags of gold. This is like 20 uh, 20 talents, I think, is a year's wage. So it's an insane, it's a, whenever, also another key to parables, there's an aspect that's ridiculous. Never, I hate the uh, earthly stories about heavenly meanings. Like, no, these stories are insane. They're not practical, cute stories. They're ridiculous. Find the ridiculous and you'll find, you'll find out what Jesus' point is. So, I mean, who would ever owe? I mean, it's, it's got to be billions and zillions of dollars. It's a ridiculous, 10,000 talents is a ridiculous, unpayable number, right? And so he gets this guy, he discovers, holy cow, you know, he's, this guy owes him. So he confronts him and the guy says this, just give me more time, I'll pay it back. That right there, if you're listening, first century uh, Israel listener, that's insane. You're not paying back 10,000 talents, right? This can be time. But you'd be doing the same thing because back then, unlike today, you had debtor's prison, right? Or if you read Charles Dickens, you know, like, it's not like today where you go, what, bankrupt or whatever, or uh, I don't know, go to another country or something like that, but you pay it off. Or you probably get higher interest or you get another credit card to pay off that I don't know. But back then, you don't pay it back, debtor's prison. I guess now you get the bank. We'll take your house, Right? But there, you go to prison. And so he's saying, you got to go to prison. This guy says, Lord, have mercy. Give me a chance. So he wants to pay it back. And then the next ridiculous thing happens. If a zillion dollars is ridiculous to owe someone, the master says, I forgive it. When he forgave that debt... It's the same thing as giving this person that money, right? It's not a feeling. It's an action. And now this servant has that money, right? Because he doesn't know it. He has a commodity. He has something. So he doesn't just, oh, good, I don't have to pay it back. He just received a huge gift. Quite frankly, if you could have all your debts paid off, how wonderful. You'd be freed released, and it's a commodity because now you don't need to pay that and your money can go to something else. So this guy leaves. He sees some dude that owed him $100. He now has a zillion dollars. And this dude owes him 100 He tells him, you owe me 100 And the guy says, Lord, have mercy. Just give me a chance. I'll pay it back. And he shakes him down and throws him in prison. And of course, the master finds out. And Jesus says some harsh words. By the way, for those dealing with forgiveness, Jesus is very, this is huge. This might be the only time where I would say there's a little quid pro quo going on. Because he finds this guy that didn't forgive someone and he sends him into prison. And then Jesus says, so it will be in the Father's economy for those 
who are forgiven much, and yet they don't forgive someone else. There might be nothing that Jesus doesn't get more upset about in the Christian life than not forgiving others. So I want you to think about that a little bit. And I would say that's the crux of life in Christ is forgiveness, by the way, which is weird. It's not gold, it's not money, it's not good times, it's it's forgiveness that you have with God and that we give to one another. It's the crux of our relationship. Not acceptance, not it's okay that you bang me on the head. That's not what you do when you forgive. Forgiveness is, I pardon it. It's gone. I'm not going to treat you as someone that's my enemy. Why is it crazy that this dude couldn't forgive that debt of just $100? It's crazy because he was given a zillion. He had the, and why is it hard to forgive? It's hard to forgive. Why we don't forgive is because forgiving actually doesn't mean giving to someone only, but it also means you lose something. And so to forgive someone, you're actually also losing, and that's why I think we don't forgive, because we're afraid to lose lose the right and wrong battle. Now they, now they won't realize how bad they are and how good I am. I kind of enjoy that little victim, victim identity I have for a little bit. I think there's a little bit of that. Second, uh, what do we lose? You can lose money. I forgive that. This person sold 20 bucks. I'm not going to think about it. I forgive you. You just lost $20. Reputation. People might think you're weak or foolish. You're just going to let that person walk all over you? You see what I'm saying? Forgiveness is a commodity that you give someone, and when you give them that, you think you lose something. And this fellow, even though he had a zillion dollars, was still obsessed that he might lose something. And I think that's you and me. And not just forgiveness, but also generosity and being kind. I can't give, I can't just carelessly give that to that person because they'll probably abuse or lose that money, and I'm going to need that tomorrow, right? I can't give to that capital campaign or this or that because I might need this in the future. I can't give to my son or my daughter because it's always that. I'm not saying you shouldn't be smart, calculated, and you don't have to give to your kids all the time, but it's, it's that It's the fear of losing that stops us from being generous and forgiving and loving because those are risks. It's risky to love. It's risky to get married. Huge risk to tell someone, I'm never going to leave you. I'm sticking with you. I'm going to nourish you. Sorry, that's a risk. You might lose. (laughs) Jesus makes it clear here, you can forgive because you have been forgiven. You've been given everything in Christ. All of your sins are forgiven. I want you to really think about that. Every day, remember, you got a zillion dollars in the bank, all gone. You don't need to worry about your reputation. God's got you. And who are you to worry about your reputation anyways? (laughs) You're lucky you got anyone. Christ has given you his identity. You don't need to worry about your money. You're going to lose something. God provides 
will take care of you. You have an infinite commodity in God, in providence, in forgiveness, and not only that, Jesus is risen, and you will rise too. You don't need to be afraid to be generous in your overall life, let alone in your forgiving. The same goes, we take this back as a whole, as St. James. This is not a duty. This is not on our shoulders. He has given us the gift of his grace. We get to live on a world that we're standing on a rock and on these promises. And that gives you just a psychological benefit right there, that I'm okay, that I'm loved by God. You get that. That's a fortunate thing. You are lucky. And you are forgiven and you will rise again, but we've been given this, and it keeps flowing every Sunday through communion, through the words. God keeps on giving and filling your cup. It overflows. So don't be afraid of the future. And as a whole, let us not be afraid of saving ourselves at St. James. God's got us. Therefore, we can go out. We can invest. We can raise money. We can have big plans to give this gift to others because we're not afraid of losing anything because the Lord doesn't stop giving, and he will provide. And I want us to enjoy these next three years because this campaign's not on your shoulders. It's on God's. And he will make it happen as he sees fit. And the commodity that we have and are giving ain't yours anyways. And it won't stop coming. May we not live in fear. May we go forward building on Christ. And through us, may people's lives receive that same peace that you do. That your bank is full and that God's got you. What a way to live. What a way to make decisions in life and not be afraid of mistakes even, or even sin. Christ has you. In Jesus' name, amen.